From foe to friend, from foe to friend. And last week's study, uh, we looked in depth at Colossians 1 verse 20, and we brought to a close this wonderful portion of scripture um, that began in chapter 1 verse 15 and ends with these wonderful words. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Amen. Two things, two events, two life-changing truths which please the Father. Firstly, having the fullness, that fullness, that complete and total divine nature in Jesus Christ. And secondly, taking on the role of peacemaker. We talked about God being a peacemaker and through the blood of the cross, reconciling all things to himself, whether they be things on earth or things in the heavens. And this happened through the finished work on the cross. Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb of God, brought peace to the heavens and the earth and laid the foundation for the Father to begin his work of reconciliation. It's wonderful, isn't it, church? You see, the price for peace had been paid. Restoration, reconciliation were both now available to all who would receive it and believe it. And I just want to remind you of this word reconciliation and what it means for us and for all who have believed and will believe in the future. Now, it was the word apocat alasso, apocat alasso, and I'll get used to say it. But it basically, it came from a blend of two other words, and it means to reconcile fully, to reconcile completely, to reconcile back again, to bring back to a former state of harmony. I heard a lot of lovely harmonies in here tonight. Brenda, I think that was you, sneaking a few in. Love it. And the English word reconcile, what does it mean? It means to restore friendly relationships between When you're reconciled to a friend, what happens? You become friends again. Another meaning was to restore uh, harmony, to reconcile factions and reconcile differences, to bring to a state free of conflicts, inconsistencies or differences. To reconcile, we, we read last week, was to accommodate, attune, coordinate and harmonize. And I read some uh, related words, to blend, to connect, My favorite one, to dovetail, to integrate, to orchestrate, which obviously for me is with my music, my love of music. You know, God is orchestrating everything. He is the great conductor, if you want to say that. To synchronize and to unify. And all of these words and phrases tell us and bring the truth to us of what God has done in and through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, the cross was the beginning, it was the starting point of the great plan of reconciliation and restoration of all things. God's desire, God's heart in putting this plan into action was and is to restore friendly relations that had once existed. God's purpose, beginning with the blood of Jesus Christ, was and still is to restore harmony between those separated by enmity and rebellion unto himself. God's great purpose and plan of restoration, beginning at the cross of Calvary, by making peace, by being that peacemaker, was and is to accommodate, coordinate, and integrate all things back to himself 
including those who would believe on Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior. Just let me get a wee drink. Church, God was reconnecting. God was orchestrating. God was synchronizing and he was dovetailing. His plan was and is to bring together and to bring harmony and unity to those things which had broken apart by the result of sin in the world, by the fall and by the rebellion of man. But you know what, church? God did not let it stay broken. He had a wonderful plan. And Jesus was that great plan. The God-man, tabernacled in flesh, came to the earth, lived that perfect sinless life, and went, church, willingly, willingly went to that Roman cross and there cut that new covenant, that new and living covenant. And we tonight, we are partakers of that new and living way in Jesus Christ. And you know what? We can be receivers of this wonderful, incredible, beautiful reconciliation and restoration that God has provided by the cross of Christ. And I know that we are. And it is wonderful to be reconciled unto him. God the great peacemaker, put his plan into action and his plan has succeeded at every single step. Every single step has succeeded. And as we move into verses 21 to 23 this evening, what we see and find is the truth of all that we have previously read, all that we have previously studied in the last few verses. In verses 1 to 20, is now coming to, coming towards and being applied to the Colossian believers, to those faithful saints gathered in Colossa. All that pleased the Father, all that brought the Father delight, is now being sent, being gifted to the beloved of God. They're in Colossa, and Paul wants them to know this. Why don't we start by reading the passage that I'm talking about, and then we'll just walk through the verses, stop at a few places to do some deeper study, and see what the Lord would say to us tonight. I want to go back and read from verse 18 just to catch a bit of the context. So this is Colossians 1, 18 to 23. We've read it so many times. You should know it off by heart now, shouldn't you? Read it with me. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. You all read so well. <laughs> What a wonderful portion from God's word to read together this evening. I hope you're blessed just by reading the word of God. Paul and Timothy begin this new paragraph with these words, and you, and you. Well, who are they talking about? 
Well, they're talking about the believers in Colossa, obviously. This is the letter to the Colossian believers. And this letter, this epistle, remember, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, was written to and for the believers in Colossa. This is the primary context of this epistle. You see, it wasn't written to us, but God, I believe, had it written for us. It wasn't written to us specifically, but I believe that God wrote it for us. And for all believers who would ever read and love the word of God. See, God had a, this is amazes me about the Bible. God had a plan with his word that Paul and Timothy actually knew nothing about. Paul and Timothy had no idea that their words would, be, would get any further than the believers in Colossae. But here we are, 2,000 years later, still reading, still studying their words. It's incredible, and I love that. I love how God does things and how his purposes and plan is always fulfilled. Now, what did Paul have to say to these believers? Well, he he started with, and you, the beloved in Colossae, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. This is the way the New Living Translation has it. Paul says, this includes you, who were once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. You know, every believer in Colossae was at some time alienated. They were at some time far away from God. This was the true spiritual state of every believer at Colossae before the reconciliation and restoration took place, before the reconciliation that God had made possible. And this word sometime can also be translated as formerly or in time past. What about this word alienated? In the King James, it's the Greek word apolotrio, apolotrio, and it comes from a root word simply to estrange away, to be a non-participant, to be alien, not to be an alien, but to be alien. A few aliens in here tonight. To be alien. (laughs) Only joking. Thayer in his lexicon says this, it's to alienate or to estrange, or just think about this one, to be shut out from one's fellowship and intimacy. Do you see what Paul was trying to say here? He was saying to the Colossians, every single one of you at some time in the past, you were formerly estranged and separated and alienated from God. You were non-participants in what God was doing and you were completely alienated from his purpose and his plans. You had no fellowship or intimacy with God. You were far away from him. You were cut off. You were outside his kingdom and blessings. The word also has the implication of being the ownership, under the ownership of another. Paul was saying, Colossians, you were the ownership of another You were estranged utterly. You were wholly the property of another person. You see, these believers believers, sorry, at one time did not serve the one true God. They were alienated, estranged, separated, shut out, cut off without fellowship and intimacy with the God of Israel. And we know from reading the gospel narratives that the Jews referred to those who they believed to be outside of Israel and the covenants as what? What did they refer to them as? Dogs, dogs. What a horrific word to use concerning another person. But this is the way they spoke of them. They considered these 
Gentiles or nations cut off from the blessing and mercy of God. But you know what? More interestingly, at this time, both during the Gospels and at this time of Paul writing, all over the Roman Empire and Commonwealth, the Romans used these words and they carried a very strong meaning. You see, to be a dog in the Roman world was to, with certainty, be alienated and cut off from the Commonwealth of Rome, to be shut out and without fellowship. To be a dog was to be separated from the authority and the protection of Roman law and to be subject to any degrading penalties that came along with it. You see, to be cut off in the Roman Empire, in the Roman world, was to be without any protection and to be completely cut off and isolated and on your own. So the Colossians knew exactly what Paul was saying in this passage. They knew what this meant. When they heard the words alienated, estranged, they knew what Paul and Timothy were trying to get at. They saw this alienation, this estrangement, day to day, and now they understood just how far away from God they had been. They had been away from his, cut off from his promises. And Paul makes it clear to them that they were alienated and estranged and shut out by what? By wicked works as a result of being wicked in their minds. That's why they were cut off. They make it clear. You were God's enemies. You were separated by him by your evil thoughts and actions. Colossians, all of you were God's enemies. You were cut off from him. You were separated by your evil thoughts and actions. You know, the root word uh, of enemies here, and this church, I think this just makes the, the, the passage mean so much more, but you know what? It's hard to take. The root word of enemies here actually is to hate. It's to hate. It's not just to be an enemy. It's actually to hate something, to be in rebellion against something. It's to be hateful. It's to be actively hostile, to be an enemy and to be a foe. You see, the Colossian believers had at one time been hateful and hostile towards God. The Colossians formerly had been enemies and foes of God. And church, it was the same for every single one of us. It was formerly we were like that. You know, that might be hard to accept, that we were hostile against God. Maybe you think, do you know what? I, I didn't hate. The Bible says you did. You were hostile against God. It's the hard truth. We were all in rebellion against him. We were all at enmity with him. We all hated God and we were all hostile to God. Church, the truth is we weren't friends with him. We were foes. We were foes. By our wicked works, by our evil thoughts, by our evil actions, what do we call all of this? Sin. Sin. Sin is falling short of God's mark, falling short of God's standard. And I'm sure we all fell very short of it. I know I did. I was way off, way, way off. I wasn't even close. You see, our wicked minds led to our wicked works. And the same was true of the Colossians and all believers who have been gifted God's reconciliation and restoration. This word wicked in the Greek comes from the word for hurtful, ill, diseased, derelict, vicious, grievous, bad, harmful, even malicious. Church, do you see what we were before Christ? 
Do you understand what we were? Before God did the work of a peacemaker and brought reconciliation to us, we were all those things. Church, we were in a very, very bad place, cut off from God. We were hurtful and malicious in our minds. And you know what? That worked out in our actions and deeds. We were lost, shut out by our rebellious minds, by our thoughts and our lives. But as I like to say, God had a plan. He had a plan, a great master plan. There's good, I know it's all a bit, but there's good news tonight. There's good news. God had a plan and it began at the cross of Christ. You see, God made peace there. We know God made peace there. And Paul and Timothy don't leave the Colossians without hope. Paul finishes this sentence with these truly wonderful, inspiring, hope-filled words. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Paul makes it clear. Colossians, there is hope. There's hope. Don't get down about this. There's hope. Reconciliation with the Father, with the one true God, is open and available to all who would believe and all who would receive the good news of the gospel. And how is all this possible? What happened to give the Colossians and everyone this opportunity? Paul makes it clear, through death, through death, but church, not our death. We didn't have to die. The Son of God was the one who died. The death of the one true God who took on that flesh, skin and bone, who came to earth, lived that sinless life and went to that cross. It is his death alone that makes this reconciliation and restoration possible. Church, he laid the foundation. He did all the groundwork to prepare this way for those who would believe and receive this gift of reconciliation. What wonderful news for the Colossian believers and what wonderful news for us. You can smile about that, can't you? This is good news. Once we were aliens, cut off, shut off, separated, estranged, but now by the death of Jesus, the one in whom all that divinity dwelt, we have the wonderful opportunity to be reconciled back to God. We can have the relationship that was once broken and it's restored for all eternity and we can be made right with God. The Father, the peacemaker, he has made a way for us to come back and be reconciled. How? By the cross of Calvary and through the shedding of that precious blood in the body of his flesh through death. Another translation has it like this. Yet now has he reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Church tonight, this was wonderful news for the believers at Colossae and it's wonderful news for all of us. Can you say amen to that? And it's good news for the world out there that needs to hear the gospel. Because God, church, God is still in the business of reconciliation. He is and restoration. But church, that's not all. Paul says to the saints in Colossae, that's not all. It gets even better. There's more than this. Listen to what Paul goes on to write. You, the people at Colossae, you were at one time alienated. You were estranged by the wicked works done as a result of your depraved and sinful mind. But God, 
He has now made a way for reconciliation and restoration through the death of his one and only son by his death on a Roman cross. And there's more. Listen, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Really, Paul? Really? Can this be true? Paul, are you saying that we are now found holy, unblameable in the sight of God? Paul, are you saying now that we are found unreprovable in the sight of God? Paul says, yes, 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 yes. That's what you are. What's holy? Hagios, sacred, physically pure, morally blameless, consecrated, a holy saint. Oh, sorry, sorry. A holy saint. What about that last one? You are a most holy thing. Isn't that wonderful? What about unblameable? Not only are we holy, we're unblameable. Amomos, unblemished, faultless, without blame. That's how God sees us. That's how we now stand before God. What about unreprovable? Not even going to try and say that word. But it means unaccused, irreproachable, and blameless. When the choir sang that song, Blameless, You Call Me Holy. That's the truth tonight. Church, are you getting the message? I wonder, did the Colossian believers fully understand just what Paul was trying to communicate? Because this is far too good to be true, isn't it? But it is true. Every single word of it is true. This is the way you are presented before God. Sacred, holy, faultless, consecrated, unblemished, irreproachable, and without accusation. Is anyone glad about that tonight? I'm glad about that. I don't want all my stuff being brought up before him. No, sir. (laughs) If you think you have nothing to be thankful for this evening or nothing to praise God for, just read those words of Paul and discover what God has made you in Jesus Christ. And you know what? We didn't do anything to achieve or attain this. We did nothing. And if you think you did, you've been surely misled. This was all God. This was his plan and his purpose fulfilled. It is the result of that atonement at Calvary. We played no part in it, but you know what? We get to be recipients of its rewards. We are beneficiaries, I love that word, beneficiaries of God's reconciliation, his restoration because of the death and the shed blood of the spotless lamb of God. Church, this is good news, isn't it? I'm sure it was great news for those in Colossae. God has done his part. We are sure of that. There can be no doubt about that. God did his part. He provided the means of reconciliation and he made peace. But church, we've got to do ours. We must do ours the same way that the Colossians did. We do not just get to be reconciled and live how we choose. That's not the way this works. We must live lives out of that place of holiness and consecration that cost Jesus everything. If you're holy, act like it. Act like it, behave like it, 
The truth is, church, we owe him our whole lives. Every, absolutely everything, every single part because of what he has done. And you know what? God does set a high standard for us. He sets a high standard for us, and we're going to read about it in a second. You see, there's a condition to this reconciliation, something we don't like to be told, but it's the truth of God's word. And look, I looked at 50 different translations to try and get rid of this condition, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't find one because I wanted to find one. This must be wrong, but it's not. It's there. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight. And here we go. If, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am a minister. If you continue, if, 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 getting it? If, and I did look, they're all the same. Most of them actually say, if indeed you continue, making it even stronger. Here's the condition. Paul tells the saints and faithful in Colossa that they must play their part in maintaining. Now, not receiving reconciliation, but in maintaining this reconciliation. Maintaining the position of being a reconciled saint. He tells them firstly to continue in the faith, grounded and settled. You see, Paul's desire is that the faith of each believer does not dwindle, that it does not fade, that it does not die out, but that they keep their faith faith in Christ very much alive and at the center of their lives. Church, I believe Paul is here is talking about perseverance, persevering, true perseverance, through any obstacle and through every circumstance. You know, this verb translated as continue means simply to stay at or stay with. You know, faith a large part of faith in the scriptures is loyalty. Faith in Christ is loyalty to Christ. We've all got many things in our lives that we might be loyal to, but we need to be loyal to Christ. And that's what is expected of a reconciled and a restored believer. No less than full loyalty and faith to Jesus. Continue in the faith, grounded and settled. This word settled, it's to lay a foundation it's to make stable and to establish. What about settled? It's to be immovable and to be steadfast. Boys Brigade, sure and steadfast. The anchor of your soul. That's what we've got to be, steadfast. What's Paul getting at here? What's he talking about? I think he's trying to make clear to the, those in Colossa that in order to maintain our reconciled status, we must continue or stay with the faith, stay in the faith, remain loyal and devoted to the Lord, established with a good foundation, immovable and steadfast, and not to be moved away from the gospel, which you received and heard. This is his final exhortation in this passage. 
Do not be moved away from the gospel which you received and heard. Listen to it in the contemporary English version. Paul says, you must stay deeply rooted and firm in your faith. You must not give up the hope you received when you heard the good news. It was preached to everyone on earth and I myself have become a servant of this message. Did you hear that, church? You must not give up the hope you received when you heard the good news. Too many people given up that hope. Paul is pleading here with the believers, don't allow yourselves to be pulled away from the hope of the good news, from the hope that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't permit yourselves to be drawn away from the hope that it brings into your lives. Don't be seduced by the false teachers that have made their way into the church cling to the truth and the hope of the glorious gospel of God in Christ. Don't be moved away from that hope that you received when you first heard the good news. Do you remember hearing the good news for the first time? Don't be moved away from that hope that you had in that moment, the offer of salvation and reconciliation and restoration, but remain steadfast and firm in your faith. Stay in. Church, stay in with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Stay loyal to him and to his word. Remain devoted fully to the Lord. Be established. Be grounded in your faith as you live out your lives for the Lord. Church, we know that this was written many years ago, AD 64. I think a few of you were probably born around then. (laughs) To the believers in Colossae. But you know what? This letter could have been written today. This could have been written a week ago by Paul to us. God's word still applies today. Look, we've heard it, but now we must go out that door and live it. We have to go and live it. We must not only be hearers, we must be doers. And I want to encourage you all tonight to get more grounded and settled in your faith. If you're not grounded and settled in your faith, there's something wrong. You need to get grounded and settled in your faith. Let's be steadfast. Let's be established believers here at Glenmacken. Let's be a fellowship of believers who have an unwavering loyalty and commitment to the Savior. Let's not allow ourselves or permit ourselves to be moved, because sometimes we blame other things and other people, but it's us. We allow other things to take us away. Let's not allow ourselves to be moved away from the truth and the hope of the glorious gospel through which all of us have been reconciled. Don't forget, church, this glorious and life-transforming truth. Once we were his foes, but now we are his friends. Now we are his friends. We are friends of God. I am a friend of God. I'm not gonna sing. Once we were estranged and shut off, but now we are reconciled and restored. Let me leave you with the passage that we've read in one other translation as I close tonight. This is the voice version, which I love. You were once at odds with God, wicked in your ways and evil in your minds, but now he has reconciled you in his body, in his flesh, through his death, so that he can present you to God holy, blameless, and totally free of imperfection. But listen, as long as you stay planted in the faith, 
So don't venture away from what you have heard and taken to heart, the living hope of the good news that has been announced to all creation under heaven and has captured me. I love that. Let the gospel capture you. Let it grab you. Paul as its servant. Church, hope you're blessed by the word tonight. Why don't we stand together and we're gonna sing a song together.